history belongs to those who keep telling it, and Belbarth hasn't had much in the way of recent support. She'd be okay with this, it's how it is, she'd likely say, but man, Belbarth is the is a crazy part of history. For all the interest in female comedians, very little talk is ever made about Belle Barth. She was a female Jewish comedian who played through the sick era, and in a lot of ways I would say Belle Barth was a sick comedian. You know, she talked about her problems in really candid ways, and sort of had therapy on stage. This record is fascinating, it's also kind of horrifying. It's got some calcium in its arteries, some unforgivable racist moments. That's what the colored people say. I like working for the Jews because they blows the show fun. I'll play it, just not let your memory go too far. But it's not a good way to introduce her. I should introduce her describing how I found the record. Once again, I'm five years old and I've just gone over to dinner at the family home of the first Jewish kid I've been able to make friends with in Aurora, Colorado. And then I eat dinner and I go back into the my new friend Mendel's room and his brother comes in with a pornographic sounding record. Tells me that we're going to listen to it. So, Belbarth played in a part of the area of upstate New York called the Borscht Belt up in the Catskill Mountains. Fun to look up if you've never heard of it. And it was a safe place for East Coast Jews to travel. And it was packed in nightclubs, kind of like a very small version of Vegas where resorts would go up and down. But they'd be small resorts, you know. The nightclubs got very rowdy, and uh, the Belbarth comedy record that Mendel's older brother wanted to initiate me into hearing was a live recording of Belbarth from 1960. The album is called If I Embarrass You, Tell Your Friends. I always say that people who are normal enjoy a risque story. People who aren't normal, they say she's very vulgar. And if we embarrass you, we'd like you to tell your friends. Tell your friends. And its impact on my life was significant, ultimately leading me to a brief moment as a criminal one year later at age six. This record was found by the Gefilte brothers in the back room of their parents. It had been hidden with some other inappropriate adult material, including some nude magazines, some uh, racist prank gifts, and some books on mixing alcohol like Mr. Boston and all that. I find it funny that people mess up so often with their phones and their computers by accidentally exposing their kids to weird shit. If you want to keep your worst stuff from them, just never let the kid have access to your phone or computer, that's it. Back in the analog era, this was much more difficult. Every single secret thing was its own physical object. If you had a recording of a racist, oversexed Jewish woman named Belbarth, you would have to keep this as a 12-inch vinyl record, and you had to find some place in the house to hide it if you didn't want your kids to hear it or see it. 
It was much more difficult to hide things. Anything inappropriate was possible. It was impossible to hide from a kid. So uh, I'm going to play you a little Bell Barth today. Here's exactly how it started with Mendel's brother. Just looking right at me and dropping the needle right there and saying, like, here, listen to this. And here's what I heard. I have a beautiful wife. Yeah, foolish. <laughs> I should mention that my parents actually did a good job of hiding indecent material from me. This is a funny frustration with uh, me and them. Lots of lock and key cabinets in the house. And uh, age-appropriate educational toys. I was uh, too curious a kid. I used to always go through my parents' uh, drawers. And by that I mean their chest of drawers, not their underwear. But I used to go through just looking for the weirdest things I could do or find. But it had to be perceived as near criminal-like behavior. I would pilfer my dad's desk looking for this one pen that he used once. Pen I really liked. I wanted to draw with it or something. It was just a really nice uh, pen and I couldn't find it in the desk and so I took apart his room uh, just looking <laughs> for the pen and of course he thought, oh my gosh, my, my son the hell did he do and I think my dad found it kind of funny uh, he would get very furious but it's got to be kind of fun to know that your kid is that curious you know just focus that or that capable of being curious or capable of being that curious you know focus that my parents' worst vice was cable TV, and I did find a way to split our cable line for uh, Cinemax and HBO to show up on my TV downstairs as well. I did that in my teens. But there really wasn't any stacks of porn magazines or weird 8mm films in the attic to be found. Um, here's a funny one. There was a single Playboy item in the house. It was a Playboy jigsaw puzzle. The, uh, the round container just showed a beautiful smiling brunette. Her eyes were amazing. And she was even wearing a shirt, if I remember correctly, like a collar on the label. This uh, kind of shows the genius of the subversive Playboy packaging. Promise would be that she would be naked inside as a jigsaw puzzle and you just had to put her together to see her. I uh, never had time to, to put the puzzle together because it was my dad's possessions. I can only uh, dump out the pieces and look for clues. And there was no indication uh, of what the nude body was like that was hidden inside the can. I remember one, finding one day an areola on a single jigsaw piece and holding it up to the light like I'd found the true secret of the world and the soft, perfect beauty of women. It startled me because I was on the lookout for a nipple, and I'd actually already found one with the areola, one reduced down to a jigsaw piece compared to a nipple on a jigsaw piece. The soft color gradations and perceived softness of the areola made it much more exciting. Jackpot was obviously pubic hair, I don't know if I ever found that. And that was the only porn that my dad had, that jigsaw puzzle. 
Playboy jigsaw puzzle. My dad hit it really, whatever my dad was into, he hit it like immaculately well. It was <laughs> incredible. So jumping back to the Cafilta brother's bedroom, Mendel's older brother is secretly returned from his parents' stash of adult material. He tells me I'm about to hear the Bell Barth album. He shows me the cover. It's very yellow. I think it looks like a Jewish grandmother covered in mustard. She's pointing at me with bright, very direct eyes. I feel comfortable. And then Mendel's brother drops the needle about halfway through side one, and this was what I heard. This was my introduction to uh, what you call coarse language. Can't really hide from it in life, but uh, at age five, it had been pretty protected for me verbally, and so I'd never heard cussing. And all of a sudden, I'm on like a black diamond ski slope of cussing and insanity and sex stories and all these things. It is the most horrifying kind of like tornado of information when you're five years old is the Bell Bart comedy album. So like any good drug, you know, the joke is uh, first time is always free. And with Bell Barth, that was actually the truth as well. I kept on bugging Mendel about the record so much he realized that he actually had something of a commodity or a hot sell. So he changed all of a sudden. He said that future listens would require Lego blocks as payment. And that was horrifying. Uh, Fortunately, it started out relatively cheap. Uh, Mostly city set blocks or pieces from regular Lego town sets. Like a red brick that used to be a building. But on the third listen, he punched up the ask for a space block. This was a special gray block that Lego made at the time, a special blue block. And they were different shapes, like really interesting triangles. You could buy one 12-inch record-sized flat piece that was a part of the moon with a little moon landscape on it. I was worried that eventually that would be the request. And even worse, that my habit would get so bad that it would lead into giving up castle pieces, as I only had a few, and they were great. A year later, the Gefilte parents went on vacation and left the brothers being cared for by their aunt. I sensed the opportunity to be alone with Belle. I asked Mendel what it would take to borrow the record for the weekend. Mendel got back to me with a strong but reasonable price. He listed three Star Wars figures as his price, but they had to be his choice. And for insurance, I had to leave my digital Mattel football game with him that entire week or weekend that I had the record to guarantee an undamaged return. If there was so much as a scratch on the record, I had to give him my Mattel football game. In this way, Bell taught me the importance of being very kind to vinyl, and Mendel taught me something about salesmanship. So I gave up three picks of all my Star Wars figures, and I gave him my uh, Mattel football game, video game, and, uh, off I went with my own Bellbarth record for a weekend. And we get the one where the old man went in the ladies' room by mistake, and this woman got it. She says, get out of here. This is for women only. He says, don't scream. So is this. 
there at home privately. I listened the bell back to back and back and forth in my room. I hid her behind my Batman record and played her on low volume. It was a wild week with that woman. I think it was that weekend. Bell Barth took my virginity. Or at least that's what my brain felt. There's a five-year-old playing with his yo-yo in the sand. He discovered he's got one, you know, and his mother says, don't you do that, dear, you'll be blind when you grow up. He says, can I just do it till I need glasses? I hear her uh, condition a young woman the same way from the very Bell Barth album where she grooms what seems to be an 18 or a 20-year-old young lady in the audience for being sexually harassed by Bell Barth. Did you get it, sweetie? She's so young. Isn't it better she hears it from me than on the outside? The lady said to me the other night, she says, you do an audience show in a nice way. For me, it uh, definitely harmed parts of my mind uh, to be exposed so aggressively to some of this terribly weird stuff. And then also to, while I was trying to figure it out, realize or be told by people laughing that they were jokes. And I remember it as one of the most peculiar moments I think that could happen for a five-year-old. You know, it was an amazing prank that this other five-year-old friend of mine and his eight-year-old brother, he's not much older, it's this amazing prank they played on people who visited, I guess. Or maybe they just chose me, you know? I have no idea. I can tell you that those sorts of experiences have followed me in life in a funny way, you know? And uh, maybe this just was an early example of it. They thought that I it would be really funny spontaneously maybe just to play the Bell Barth comedy record. Here's a little bit more from it to let you comprehend what the hell that felt like. <laughs> 